you take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. While you're turning there, uh, about seven months ago or so, we went through uh, Lamentations. It took about ten weeks for us to get through the book. And uh, came across this. It's a devotional book, uh, kind of preparing uh, the believer's heart for the celebration of the resurrection that we focus on at Easter. Uh, so there's several of these books up here, a whole bunch of them, called Finding Mercy on the Way of Sorrow. And it's a devotional book taking you through the book of Lamentations. So it's free. Uh, there's plenty for every family. You got a kid that's in college that's away or maybe in the military. You want to send them one. There's enough for that, too. Uh, but it's 40 days. So if you want to go ahead and take it up through Easter, then just basically backtrack 40 days. And, and uh, whether you go through it yourself or you go through it with your family or your wife, uh, I think it would be very beneficial um, in, uh, in going through that. So I just want to make sure that's available for you and trust you will avail yourself of, uh, of that resource. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, again, we are grateful that we have this great privilege and opportunity to gather here to worship you. And again, Father, we've committed ourselves to gather together in the name of Christ. We come, Father, for the sole purpose to honor you and to give you the reverence that you so rightly deserve. And Father, we show these things to you by bowing uh, before you together in prayer, uh, confessing our sins, uh, publicly reading the scripture, singing hymns that celebrate uh, who Christ is and all that you've done for us, as well as reminding us of many biblical truths. Father, we also worship you by uh, giving you a portion of the blessings you've given us as we uh, give to you our tithes and our offerings. As always, we ask you to give us wisdom in using these resources uh, to accomplish your will here through this church. And fathers, we now commit ourselves at this time of the service where we open your word and we focus then here in the book of Matthew on the teaching and the words of Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that you open our hearts, open our minds, enabling us, Father, to understand. We pray, Lord, again, to be the desire of our heart to be uh, informed by your word, to be changed by your word, that, Father, we may become more like your son, Jesus Christ. As always, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us today. And we do ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So as we look at the passage here this morning, what we're given here is basically this, is that motivation is really important. Having the proper motivation does matter. It matters as to why you do what you do and how we do what we do. Because he tells us there in the very beginning, beware. Beware of what? Of practicing your righteousness. The idea is that you believe in God. Uh, you've submitted yourself to the word of God, to what he said. So there's a practice of righteousness. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Well, what does he mean before other people? Well, he tells you, in order to be seen by them. Now, what's interesting here is, uh, just a quick observation. Jesus assumes in this little scenario that generous giving is going to take place. 
So this is not a sermon on giving. That's not what the point of this is. That's the illustration. But there's an assumption here, and that is that there's going to be generous giving. So there's no command here. There's no imperative to give. Again, it's just assumed because Jesus says when. So in verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Now, many of you know who Arnold Frutenbaum is, and he says that, and, and many of the, these things are, you find in other uh, references as well, that in the temple compound there were 13 large chests that were used for gathering money. It was very common practice for the wealthy who were about to place a major donation to let people know about it by announcing it through the sounding of a trumpet. So it wasn't like they were having a worship service where this was going on. It would be like if this was a larger compound and we had like an outer wall and there was a court we could mill around and there were these various receptacles. And I think uh, there's some evidence that those receptacles were, were um, for various, I guess, designated giving. Like maybe one was for the poor, one was for uh, the upkeep of the temple, that, t- that kind of thing. But that's all out there in this large area. And so what he says is, is that those who are rich, they would, you know, you have an entourage with you, and there would literally be a blasting of the trumpet. And when you hear a trumpet, what do you do? Look to see what's going on. And the idea was others could see them uh, giving, this, giving this large amount of money, and they wanted others to be in awe of them. They wanted others to think really well of them. So the law did encourage giving, but again, it was to be done for the honor of God and not for the honor of yourself. And that's where they clearly missed the, missed the, the boat. Now, some have said, because I've read in some other commentators and resource books, that even though it's been said, like Arnold saying that uh, there's the blowing of a trumpet, they're having a hard time finding, I guess, written evidence that that really took place. Now, I would, knowing Arnold, he would say, well, part of it is because it says it right there in the Bible. It says they blow the trumpet. What else do you need? And I would agree with that. Um, but there's, there's some other things that people have kind of um, unearthed, so to speak, as far as finding out the way that money would be given. And so some have said this, that in these large chests, the receptacle was, was a cone-shaped piece of brass, kind of looked like the end of a trumpet. And uh, this, this receptacle would, obviously, if you throw coins in there, it would make a rattling sound, and it would be pretty loud, and it would be done so that you could be noticed. So imagine this. So we, let's say that we have it set up this way, where we have this, this very large chest up here before the church, and we have a, this trumpet-shaped thing. And so someone here who makes $1,000 a week decides they're going to give 10%, so they're going to give $100. But what they've done is they've gone to the bank, and they've got $100 in quarters and dimes. And so they come in here, I don't know how much that is, but they come in here, and they start to pour it in that receptacle. It's going to make some noise. And they just keep pouring. You, know, you pour slow. Just pour and pour and pour. And there's all this clanking that's going on. Well, apparently, in the courtyard, this, this is recorded as happening, where the rich sometimes will come up to one of these chests and begin to pour in their coins. And it's making all this noise. And it, it continues to make noise. And people are looking. And then they break out in applause. And they start clapping for this individual who's, who's giving this large amount of money. Um, I know the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I'm not sure that kind of coincides with all of that, um, but, uh, and I'm not advocating that you give money in quarters and dimes, uh, but the idea is, is, again, the reason why they're doing that is so others notice them and that they're giving, and of course, in this case, that they're giving a very large amount because it's very obvious. So when Jesus describes that, he uses the word hypocrites. 
Uh, the word hypocrites is used 22 times in the Bible. And then in the singular form, hypocrite, it's used 12 times. Now, in the English Bible, which is the translation of the, from the, of the Greek, uh, the word can appear in different forms because of different translations. Uh, like sometimes, instead of using the word hypocrite, they might use the word godless. Uh, so again, if you, if you ever want to do a word study on certain things, again, the reason why it's important to go back to the Greek or Hebrew, which anybody can do, they have a lot of helps that can help you with that. You can look up these words by numbers, and in that way you can find out how many times. Because if you have an ESV, you may, it, the word hypocrites may not appear 22 times. It appears 22 times in the New King James. Now, no one's trying to deceive anybody, uh, but if you want to find out how many times that word is actually used, you need to go back uh, and use something that is going to go into the Greek, and then it counts how many times in the Greek language that particular word is used, and that kind of gives you a, um, a hand as to uh, how often that word is used and, and the way that it's used. In the dictionaries where the word appears, where they, they try to define it, it's what we think it is, what we've been taught that it is. It's someone who acts pretentiously. It's a person who is a counterfeit. It's someone who is pretending to have a certain kind of character. Uh, the way the word is used, um, it is often stated this way. He played the hypocrite. So the idea is whatever you're, you're doing, you're playing the hypocrite or you're, you're playing a part in portraying yourself to be a certain way. You know, like sometimes, you know, people can come to church and you can pretend to be spiritual. You know, you can say praise the Lord to everybody, even though you don't normally do that. And there's all kinds of things you can do, but we play the hypocrite. And, you know, people sometimes even say, well, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I say, well, Walmart's full of hypocrites, too, so I don't understand the difference, you know. <laughs> At least here, most of us, or at least some of us are acknowledging that we're hypocrites or that we're hypocritical and we've come to, uh, you know, we're seeking to grow out of that and to mature out of that as believers. Um, so that's really not much of an excuse when it comes to uh, not going to church. But the idea is, is that Jesus Christ is looking at the, he wants us to look at the character or at our own character, at the intent of what we do. Intent is a major part of this. Is your attention to draw, or is your intention to draw attention to yourself in some way. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, and, but the idea is not for us to try to figure out who does that and why they're doing it. I, the idea is for us to examine ourselves. Are we trying to portray a certain image of ourselves? Now, I do think that maybe all of us, but most of us, we do that anyway. right? We do want people to think about us in a certain way. That's not always necessarily sinful. It's, I guess it's to what extents are you doing that. Right? It's not bad for you to want people to like you and to want people to respect you and maybe even to want people to think that you're godly. But, not, but if you want them to think that you're godly so that they will say that and you can, your ego can be boosted, that would be the wrong motivation. Maybe you want people to think that you're godly and wise because you want others to be feel free to come and talk to you, maybe ask advice and you want to give them biblical advice. That's not wrong to do that. Right, so this is not where you then pretend to be something, in other words, it's not where you're trying to hide the fact that maybe you are godly, or you're not trying to hide anything, but the idea is that you're not looking for the honor of men. You just stop feeding your ego, it, it's, it's something that's ingrained in us uh, to where we want to be seen by others in one way or another, and we really have to take, an, you know, take evaluation of that um, in our lives. So Jesus then says here, he says that if you give loudly, 
He says, you have already received your reward. What they were looking for, they have received. So it seems to me that one can easily then add this idea and say it this way. If you want the praise of men, so be it. But don't also go looking for the praise or reward from God. You have been given what you're looking for, and there's nothing more to come. So I don't know about you, but the praise of men, it's not very satisfying. Right? Because normally, it's human nature, when you get the praise of men, you want it again. Or you want more of it. Individuals who make a living in entertainment businesses, whether it's sports or what have you, you know, you can get used to people always thinking that you're great and people wanting your autograph and people wanting to know what you think about whatever it is and people applauding you. And for many, what they've experienced is that when they get to the point where they're no longer involved or active in whatever they're, uh, whatever they're involved in in the entertainment industry, that's the hardest part to live with. When you're no longer being recognized, it affects them. Many athletes who have been stars in their prospective sports, when they retire, uh, sometimes can experience forms of depression, where the, you know, it's like a lot of things, just because they're just, they're just not used to this. They still have all their money, if, they're, if they were smart. You know, they have all their money and they have all you know, these things, but you know, they don't have that attention you know, like they did before. It only comes from a certain segment of society. And then of course, the older you get, you know, the fewer people who recognize you. It's only people who are old like you uh, no one else appreciates you because it's, it's all about what's going on now kind of a thing. And so we need to make sure that we don't just recognize that in others, but realize that that can be true in our lives as well. And I'm not really sure it matters why, why we do that. I don't, I don't think you have to discover, you don't have to go to a psychologist and go through therapy to figure out why it is you're trying so hard uh, to manipulate what people think about you. It's human nature. It's part of our sin nature to do that. Um, and we just need to recognize that it's wrong and the Lord wants that to be changed. So in verse 3, he says this, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So verse 4 explains what is meant by verse 3, right? when he says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Giving is to be done in secret. Now when he says that, he's not necessarily saying you have to hide what you give. You don't have to go to great lengths to, you know, to kind of slip some money in the offering or whatever it happens to be. The idea is that you're just not trying to bring attention to yourself. That's, that's the thing. That's, that's the idea that's here. And what he says here is, and so apparently there's something to this, because some individuals have tried to make a, make a statement that if, if you do certain things for the Lord, for the Lord to be rewarded by the Lord, that somehow that's a wrong motivation. But I'm not sure we can say that. Because what is Jesus saying here? He says that you're giving me in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, he's not necessarily saying that he's going to reward you in public. That's not the point. What he's saying is, is the Lord notices, and the Lord's going to reward you. So I, I would put it on, on this level. So in the same way that, you know, we always, little kids are always easier to use as examples. So little kids may do what their mom and dad wants to do because they want their mom and dad to reward them. Now, it isn't always, it's not always ice cream or whatever. Maybe nothing more than just a pat on the back or you telling them you're proud of them or whatever it happens to be. But that's not sinful for them to do that. That's right and proper for them to want to obey you because they want to please you. And that's really the idea. That's what's behind that. 
And so then the reward is kind of a, a natural exchange that takes place. So it's, it's not like, he's not saying here that you do these things for God and God's going to make you rich. That's not what that says. Right? And that's a very popular thing. A lot of people out there, you know, Joel Osteen and uh, T.D. Jakes, and a whole bunch of those individuals are out there, you know, propagating that kind of idea. Um, that you do certain things for God and he's going to make you rich. That's just, that's just not in the Bible. All right? And that's, that's wrong for us to even think that way. But it's not wrong, though, for us to want or desire to be rewarded by God. I want to be rewarded by God. I have no idea what the reward's going to be. But I, I think that'd be really cool. Right? I mean, it, it, I don't, it's okay if Robert wants to reward me, but I'd rather have a reward from God. Somehow I think that's going to be way better. Um, it, much more satisfying. Um, and so that's the idea that's here. So we want to make sure we don't allow that to kind of, you know, an individual, maybe they're trying to sound more pious, maybe, maybe they're not. Um, but I, it's just not the wrong motivation. Now, if your only motivation is somehow that, and you're imagining what the reward may be, you need to kind of figure that out and get in line with the scripture. But again, the basic idea, because um, I, I don't think that the Lord Jesus is introducing a sinful desire to us. All right? he's, he's telling us that, you, that there's this, this is this motivation here that we're being given. So the Father sees all, and he will reward you. And that's not a new concept. Let me read to you from the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So again, there's this idea that we're going to be rewarded. In the Christian Standard Version, it says, But as for you, be strong. Don't be discouraged, for your work has a reward. So, so this idea of reward is in the Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So again, that's there. And we, we can be grateful for that. And you can teach your kids that. And again, that, that's not their sole motivation, but they need to know the Lord is interested in everything we do. And he says the good that we do will be rewarded. I don't know what that would be. It can be a lot of things, a lot of different things. In this life, if for some, it may be nothing in this life. It's a life to come. But I guarantee you, whatever reward or rewards God gives to us, you're not going to be disappointed. Amen. That's just not going to happen. Right, so we just, you know, we need to, to, to recognize that and realize it's, it's okay to do that. I want to be rewarded by the Lord. And if that motivates me to work harder, so be it. And it will, how is that going to be a bad thing if I'm doing good? And again, remember, the intention is important, so, and that's a fine line. Because I'm doing good, so others will notice me. Remember, you got your reward. So, you know, kind of tone that down a little bit. Let me read to you again the same passage, but this time from the Amplified, which amplifies what is being there. It does a good job often. Servants or slaves, be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them and eager concern to please them. In singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to Christ himself. So we see we're to be eager, eager to please. And in, in the full context of this, obviously, even though we have this analogy talk about uh, with our with our masters, which is, again, what we are to do. But again, it, he's pointing to Christ. So I need to have this eagerness to please Christ. 
in singleness of motive, with all of my heart as service to Christ himself, not in the way of eye service, which is to be seen by others, all right, as if they were watching you, and only to please men, but we, we do what we do as servants or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God heartily and with our whole soul, rendering service readily with goodwill, as to the Lord and not to men. Why? Because we know something. What do we know? That for whatever good anyone does, he will receive his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. So the idea there would be this. One of the ways that we would kind of think through this. If you are doing good, let's say you're, you're performing some service, whether it's for the church and the people in general, or maybe for someone specific, and you start to become a little bitter or cynical because others don't seem grateful enough. That is probably an indication that you're not serving the Lord with your whole heart. You're still looking for the praise of men, aren't we? We are. I remember one time I was in a class that my dad was teaching, and he asked the, 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 uh, the students in the class this question. This was at, at a Bible college. I did go for a while. Um, and he said this. He said, if you were asked to teach the worst behaving Sunday school class in the church, which isn't seniors, it's actually um, you mean senior citizens. It would be fourth and fifth grade boys. For whatever reason, that's the group that's always targeted. He said, so you were asked to teach that age group. And so you do so diligently for a year. And on a particular Sunday, they've decided to thank the teachers. Just, you know, just quick recognition. Stand up. We want to thank you for what you're doing. And they didn't call your name. For whatever reason, they just, they just forgot. No one intended to do it, but, but, but they forgot. And no one really came to you and said, thank you for doing that. And then later on, someone said, hey, could you do it again for another year? Would you do it? Why or why not? And of course, several of them are like, there's no way. No one even says, thank you? <laughs> my, my dad just calmly says, well, then you're, then you're doing it only for yourself. You, you've never served the Lord. Which, you think about it. If you really believe God wants you to do that, and others don't recognize it, and that's the reason now that you're not going to do it again, either did the Lord call you in the first place, or what, like, so what's going on in your heart? And so we need to think about that. Now, that's not saying that if others don't thank you, they're right. They should, have, they should recognize you or thank you, whatever, you know, try to encourage you. That's a good thing. But you know, people are going to let us down, sometime intentionally, sometime unintentionally. But he says clearly that what we're doing is for the Lord. And so when it comes to the giving of finances, which is the illustration he uses here, it is for the Lord, period. And that's it. And we go on about our business. So Jesus spent time explaining again that our righteousness, remember we covered this when we were going through the first aspects of the Sermon on the Mount, that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And now he is dealing with a more narrow concept within that framework, which again is what he says, beware. So when Jesus says beware, I believe there's an assumption behind that. And the assumption, because it comes from Jesus, they would always be correct. Like I can, I can say something that may have an assumption in it, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'm a human being. But Jesus is making the statement, beware. Why is he saying that? Because you and I are prone to this. That's why he's saying it. Remember who created us. Who, who understands what the fall of Adam has done to us? 
right? So he, so he says, beware, you're prone to this. What am I prone to? Well, you're, you're prone to wanting to do good things or righteous things to be seen by others. You're going to be tempted in that way. And remember that Satan's not the only crafty one. We, we are too. We, we can find nonchalant ways to get attention. You have to be careful with that. No one else may pick up on it. Others who might pick up on it wouldn't even dare say anything because they're not really sure. They're like, ah, you need to examine your heart. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us with that, to make sure that, that that's not what's driving us or motivating us. So normally whenever there's the beginning of bitterness or cynicism or resentment, often it's because others haven't noticed something or others haven't recognized something or we haven't received the praise or whatever we think we should have gotten. And as a result, we become embittered towards others or whatever the case may happen to be. So he says to you and to me, he says, beware. So we don't start thinking about how others are susceptible to this. We need to think about how I'm susceptible to this, how you as an individual are susceptible to this, how your children are susceptible to this. So beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen for them, to be, to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So he makes it clear. If you do it to be seen by others, you will not be rewarded for that. Period. It's a temptation. It's a problem we all face. It is appealing to the pride of man. We want others to think well of us. We want others to notice us. Sometimes we want others to notice us a great deal. Sometimes we, we pretend we're humble. We just want a little bit of notice. Well, I don't, I don't need much. But a little recognition would be nice. Right? That's, you know, how many of you ever seen that come out in the person? I've seen that happen in a discussion with two other people where a pastor was talking to another individual and I have no idea what the issue was, but the person then did say, well, just a little recognition would be just enough. I don't need much. And <laughs> that's because they've been offended. And uh, I, I just keep thinking about the verse in Nehemiah where it talks about Nehemiah grabbing the, the men with, by their hair and just slapping them because uh, of what they were doing. I, I just, if we can find a way to incorporate that without people getting upset. Um, I know I would feel better, at least for a moment. All right, but we want others to think well of us. We want others to notice us. We want them to esteem us. And I want you to know that nobody's above this. I've, I've told you before, there are times, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for this, so please don't say anything. But, well, you know, where people are coming out and they'll say, oh, that was a good sermon or whatever. You know, I mean, after a while, if, you, if, you, if, a, if a Sunday happens and no one says that, you go, oh. I mean, why, did they appreciate it or what? Like, I, I thought it was pretty good, you know, <laughs> whatever. Now, I don't, I don't do that anymore, but I have to, I've done it before. Or somebody who intends to, to mean well, and they'll say, wow, pastor, today was really good. So what was last week? I mean, you know, we just, immediately we go there, you know, and again, sometimes that person's aware of it. And they'll even say, this week was really, well, now every week's good, but this week, you know, because they're just trying to, you know, get out of whatever. But we have to be careful of that because we, we can yearn for that. We want that. Even if it, it, it's, I know this can sound strange, 
but we can want recognition in a humble way. It's almost as if we want someone to recognize us so we then can be the hypocrite. I can play the humble guy. Okay, you want to be humble, but you don't want to play the part of a humble guy. And so we need, once again, to check our hearts. So God, the Holy Spirit, can definitely help us with that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will uh, enroll a helper. Uh, that would be our helpmate. Um, God has used my wife before. She's told me before that uh, she is my personal Holy Spirit, and she's in league with the Lord. Um, so uh, anyway, sometimes your, your spouse may help with these things if you have the courage to ask them about this. But again, we want to do things that will affect their thoughts about us. So another way of saying that is this. We want to be seen. So I would ask you this morning to examine your hearts as Christians. Is there anything, whether it's giving, working, volunteering, whatever it is, if you're doing it to be seen, you need to repent before the Lord. Ask God to forgive you for that. Not so you can be rewarded, but so you can be rewarded. I don't want anyone to be satisfied with the praise of men, because it will never be enough. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as always, we are grateful, Lord, for the words of Christ. Lord, he, I mean, clearly, he has a way of penetrating into our hearts and, and using the word to reveal the secrets of our heart and sometimes those things that are very deep-seated. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to truly look inwardly. Not, Lord, that we have to do so in a morbid way, and Father, I know that in some cases there will be those who won't see anything apparently that's there. But Father, it's not just examining our hearts today, but it's having an awareness so that when those moments come and maybe we act spontaneously where, at least maybe in our thoughts or in a subtle way, we either are disappointed or we try to find a way to get the praise of men. I pray, Lord, that those, at those moments the Holy Spirit will strike us with this remembrance of what Christ has said so that we will see clearly our heart at that moment and recognize again the help that we need from you. The Father, we will not lose our joy. The Father, our joy will remain and grow. Father, every week we do ask this that because there, there may be some here who don't really know Christ. They know about Christ. They know about what Christ has done but they've never given their life to Christ. They've never trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, for individuals like that, I, I know that they, that they sometimes live off the praise of others. They desperately need the recognition of, of others. That's the fuel that fuels their personality or, or maybe fuels their mood for the day or for the week. I pray, Lord, you will help them to see the emptiness of that. And that the praise of men can be often empty itself. That, Lord, they will recognize that 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 hole in their life that they're looking to fill will never be filled properly by applause. They're going to be filled by you, by a relationship that we have with you that begins by acknowledging that we are sinners, that we, have, that we are separated from you because of our sin, and that, Father, we would accept the redemption of Christ, that we would believe in what Christ has done, that he was our substitute, that he willingly allowed himself to suffer punishment of what we've done wrong and offers forgiveness. Thank you, Father, again, for your great love to us. 
As always, Father, we pray that you'll help us to be as gracious towards others as you've been to us. We thank you. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.